My name is Pastor Justin. I'm the, the lead pastor here at New Life. And we are continuing in a series called Hashtag Blessed. And um, we started out week one talking about the heart, <clears throat> and the importance of the heart. Um, and then week two, last week, we talked about the tithe. And, uh, and so if you missed that, I would highly encourage you to, to kind of get a hold of that. And um, on nlc.today, you can listen to any of those if you missed any. And today we're going to be talking about um, overflow. That's the title of today's message. Um, sometimes we are immersed in, in a culture, in our culture, so much so that we don't see how American we are. And, and you're like, well, I don't think that applies to me. It definitely applies to you. Sometimes we can, in our own way, um, without even realizing or think about it, think that American is synonymous with Christian in, in that the way that we view life through the lens of our culture is in line with Scripture. It's the way that Jesus intended. He meant it to be an American republic, and this is the way it's supposed to look like. But as we look at this specifically, um, when it comes to blessing in our life and living a blessed life, we tend to, whether we realize it or not, it's kind of this sneaky thing that happens on the inside of us. We tend to start to define blessing in a very different way that Jesus defines blessing, in a very different way that we see um, the definition of blessing all throughout Scripture. We tend to look at blessing as anything that is added to our life, anything that is good. If I have a good circumstance, if you pay me a compliment, you want to give me some money, you want to give me a job, you want to, whatever that is, that's a blessing. I'm hashtag blessed, right? Like that's, we, we, we want to post that, let everybody know how blessed we are. The problem is, is like in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul quotes Jesus saying that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. In other words, me having less, me giving, is in essence a definition of blessing, which, is, which flies in the face of how we look at what it, what, what it looks like to live a blessed life. And, and the reality is, is that everything that God has created gives. You think about this. It's, it's very normal. And in fact, either in function or in purpose, God's creation is designed to give. So we have leaves on the trees give oxygen, right? Like we, we have sun that gives light and heat. We have clouds that give rain. What are we supposed to give? We seem like maybe one of the only parts of creation that has an option. Uh, if I want to, this is kind of what it might look like. And I love how Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians. It's kind of confronting to us in verse 16 through 18. He says this. He gives, a, he gives us a recipe for something. And he gives us the ingredients first. This is what he says. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. <laughs> I, I love this scripture because it is like Paul gives us a recipe for a blessed life. He's saying, this is my will for you in Christ Jesus. And I was thinking about recipes this week. How many of you have family recipes? Whether it's yours or maybe you got it from like your, your meme, your pepe, your grandma, your grandpa, whatever. It's been passed down and it, who knows what it is. It could be your, uh, your spaghetti sauce or something that, that you've, you have that, that's been passed down to you on probably a little like note card and it's hand, hand scratched in there and, 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 it's, and it's prized because it's part of your family. My dad has, um, 
has a meatball recipe that he has, he has been working on and honing on. You're like, meatballs? Yeah, they're really good. He brings them to me whenever he comes to visit. Um, my mom has a peanut brittle recipe, which she would just assume bury you in your backyard before she gave it to you. Like you could pay her anything and she'd be like, no. Why? It is her, it is her peanut brittle recipe and it has very, it's very special. And there's what? There's secret ingredients in it. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If your grandmother or someone in your family has something that they make and you're like, man, nothing is like grandma's something, right? Like, and you're eating somebody else's and you're like, man, this is not my mom's potato salad. You know, like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I hear that amen. And as you're like, there's, there's things in our life that, man, I just, I, just, I just love because there's a secret ingredient in it. And when it's not in there, it's different. It's just, it's just not the same. And essentially, Paul is telling us, he's giving us some, some ingredients to this blessed life. And he says, give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, when, when, if your life is not tasting right, if the recipe is not right, you may be lacking thankfulness. In other words, if you're kind of going along in your life in this Christian walk and it's just dry or you're feeling like, man, like, I, I mean, I still believe in Jesus. I have faith, but I just don't have joy. Like, I'm just... I am just a curmudgeon. Like, I, I know one would never say that, but there's like this kind of just, ugh, on the inside. Like, I still have faith, but, but there's no joy on the inside of me. Essentially, what Paul is saying is that you may be lacking the secret ingredient. You may be lacking in thankfulness. Why? Because it matters what you put into your life. My daughter, Molly, she... Um, she likes to cook. My wife's a great cook, and she, she cooks all kinds of stuff. She never uses a recipe. She literally just throws stuff together until it looks right, and it's amazing. And it's like, I don't know how you did that. And, um, but she has one recipe, which is her um, chocolate chip cookie recipe. And, um, and Molly was, was wanting to, to learn how to cook, and so we were like, okay, Molly, you've made it with mom. Now you're going to make it yourself. And if you've ever done this with your kids, it's kind of like a little, woof. Okay, so you're like, you got the kitchen. We're going to go and not look at what you're doing. We're not going like, to, like, surround you. And so you do your thing. So Molly is, like, type A, and she is, like, measuring everything. I mean, she is taking those measuring cups and, I mean, just meticulous. That's how she is. And so she's measuring everything out. She makes her first batch, and they come out, and she's like, Dad, you want to try this? You want to try the, the first, one of the first cookies? And I'm like, yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. She goes, okay, here you go. She gives it to me, and I'm like, okay, cool. And it's a cookie, whatever. I, I bite into it. I have, like, immediate heartburn. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what, what? I looked at her. I'm like, Molly, there is something, it's, like, very horrifically wrong with this cookie. And she's like, she's like, no, no, I, I, followed, I followed the directions, just like, just like mom wrote. And I was like, Babe, I said, how much baking soda did you put in? She said, one cup. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God. It's like literally like I feel like I'm like a science experiment. You know, my stomach is just like rolling around. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, sweetie, like this is, you put way too much. It is one teaspoon. She's like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, how did you even have a cup? Those things are like barely a cup. The box, use the entire box of baking soda. She's like, well, I thought it was a little lot. I was like, yeah, it was. <laughs> now here's the thing. There are some ingredients in a recipe that you can put too much of something in and it ruins the recipe, isn't there? 
Thankfulness is not one of them. Thankfulness is not, the more thankfulness you put into your recipe, the better it tastes. I guarantee it. What do I mean by that? When I'm talking about your different areas of life, the more thankfulness that you put into your job, the better your job gets. The more thankfulness you put into your finances. God, I just thank you for entrusting me with this. I'm telling you, the better your finances get. The more thankfulness you put into your marriage, (laughs) the better your spouse gets and the more sexier you look. I'm just going to, that'll preach. I'm just going to leave it right there for some of you. I'm just telling you, put some thankfulness into any single one of these areas of your life and it makes it better. And you're like, well, I've been metering it out. I gave a teaspoon of thankfulness. I'm telling you, put the whole cup in and see what happens. There are some things that you put too much in and it's not good and ruins the recipe. Thankfulness is not one of those. And so essentially, Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians, the scripture that we just read, he's like this. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Man, everybody wants to know that. I mean, in counseling as a pastor, like that is so, that is like the number one question. Like, I just want to know, can you just tell me what God's will is for my life? Am I supposed to marry her? Or am I supposed to go to this college? What am I supposed to do with my life? What is, what is God's will for my life? What does this look like? And this is what, this is what his answer is. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. That is God's will for your life. No, that can't be right. It can't be, that's not God's will for my life. Maybe it's God's will for like the person next to you, but like, what? You're telling me God's will for my life is rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. I thought God's will for my life was like, I'm going to be a millionaire by 25. I was going to marry a smoking hot wife, and I was going to be better looking. And like, I thought it was going to have something to do with that, because that's kind of what I would like God's will for my life to be. And he's like, these This is the recipe for the blessed life. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Essentially, this is why I titled the message The Overflow. Because there is something that when thankfulness is a key ingredient in our life, there is something that overflows blessing in our life. And it doesn't necessarily make sense. And when we think... God, what is my destiny? We don't always equate it with the simplicity of thankfulness. But there's something in here that I believe that is going to be an answer for some of you if you're stuck in an area of your life. And you'll notice some of these papers up here before. This is from the first service. If you walked in, you probably received one of those blessed, hashtag blessed cards and on the back. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the message today to kind of bring up as, a, as an act of, of, of worship to bring those things forward. So as, as I'm talking and God is just revealing some things that you're thankful for, I just want to encourage you, just, just take some notes, write some of those things down as they come up to you, the things that you're thankful for. If you'd stand with me, we're going to read Luke chapter 17. We always stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 17, you may have heard this story. It's about Jesus healing 10 lepers. starting in verse 11, it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, this is what he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed, healed. 
One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Lord Jesus, there is something, a, a, a key missing ingredient in some of our lives of thankfulness. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we walk into blessings in our life, we do not forget to turn around and turn our blessing into praise. Lord Jesus, we thank you as we consider all the things that you've done, that you've afforded for us, that you've provided for us, that you've brought healing into our lives. We thank you. We don't take it for granted. And we make a comeback. We turn around and we give you thanks and praise. All the honor and glory belongs to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Let me give you a little bit of history, uh, background for um, this whole idea of leprosy. Many of you, if you've been around church, you've probably heard this before. For some of you that ha have no idea what a leper is, um, leprosy was a horrific disease. Essentially, your extremities would go numb. Um, they would kind of disfigure and eventually, in many cases, fall off. So it was a very long, drawn-out sickness, um, kind of a death sentence for people. Um, it was thought to be highly contagious, and so people would have to wear veils over their mouths so that their breath wouldn't fall on other people and hopefully not spread this disease. Lepers were isolated. They were quarantined outside of the camp. They weren't allowed to go and to be close to anyone. This includes their own children and their own wives. They were kind of cloistered and quarantined away. They were required by law to, to keep their distance, as we see in this story. And if they came into um, the proximity of people that were not in their leper colony, they were required to make their, their presence known by yelling out, unclean, unclean, unclean. I mean, it's kind of a really humiliating thing that you have to do. You have to make yourself known and your identifier is that you are unclean. And so they would have to yell that out there. And this is what we find in verse 12. They stood at a distance, making their presence known. But this time they're not just saying, hey, I'm unclean. Hey, I'm in need. They, they call out in a loud voice and they say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. I want you to notice something here, and it's, and it's really important, that it was their obedience to the word of God that brought their healing. They, they, Jesus didn't look and say, yeah, be ye healed, and they were healed. Oh my goodness. It was in their obedience to the word of God to say, go and show yourself to the priest. In other words, if you thought that you were healed of leprosy, you had to go and have the priest, essentially they were the doctors of the time, to say, I think that I'm healed, that I don't have this anymore, and the priest would dub you clean or unclean based upon their analysis. And so when Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest, he's saying, go, tell the priest that you're already healed. And they're like, well, okay. And, but it was in their going, their obedience, that they were healed. And sometimes it is simple obedience to God's word that brings blessing in our life. 
And we don't always like that. We don't like to, to hear about the, the word obey. And that we don't like to always look at a correlation between healing and obedience. It's, it, it's difficult for us. But when we choose to obey a command that we don't fully understand, God is able to do things and bring greater blessing in our life. And this is what we find here. And I just feel like as I was studying this, this week that, that God has a word for somebody in here and it's this. Start walking in the direction where Jesus is pointing you in. You're like, but, but I don't know, like I'm not healed and, 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 I, and I know God wants to do something. I'm just telling you, start walking in the direction that Jesus is pointing you in and it's in the going that God is gonna bring healing in your life. But you've got to walk in simple obedience. And you may not understand it. I mean, these guys didn't understand it when he's like, go and show yourself to the priest. And they're like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, I'm going to what? I'm going to go show, show the priest what? But it was in their simple obedience to Jesus' word that, that healing came. And it made a big difference in their life. Verse 15. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. If you're taking notes this morning, the first point is this, that thankfulness requires awareness. Thankfulness requires awareness. Now, it would be easy if, if, you, had, <laughs> if you had leprosy to know that you were healed, right? I mean, if, if you have, you're all of a sudden have feeling in limbs that you didn't have feeling with, all of a sudden your, your arm grows, and you're like, oh my goodness, or a, a finger grows back, or, you know, all, I mean, you know it. There's no like, hey, I think I might not have leprosy anymore. Like, it's pretty apparent. Like, you're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I can feel my, my body parts and, 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 and I'm healed. And so it's easy for you to know and for this guy to come back and to thank Jesus. But how often do we, do I, walk around unaware that there are blessings in my life that used to be prayer requests? And I'm not actually aware of the fact that Jesus has already answered a prayer that I, that, I, that I had a year ago. And I haven't given thanks for it. I'm just walking in that blessing. And I see it in my own life. Like, I see it, you know, one of the Christianing things that we do is we, um, you know, if you're, if you're like with your family or whatever, maybe you, you we, we pray before our, our meal, right? We, we say the blessing. And if I go to your birthday party, you're going to find me in the crowd and be like, Pastor Justin, you're the local pastor. Could you say the what? Blessing, right? We say this, right? And the, you're always going to find me because for some reason that's like my job. So here's the thing, and I realized this as I was praying about it this week. When I was younger, we never used to say that, that term. In fact, what I used to remember very vividly is that we would say, hey, would you give thanks for the food? But nowadays, all I hear is, would you say the blessing? Hey, pastor, would you say the blessing? Rather than, hey, pastor, would you give thanks for the food? I mean, it seems like, and we're talking about the same thing. In other words, hey, you, holy man, could you say some words, right? But, but there's a very different thing that's going on there. One is, could you say a blessing? The other is, would you give thanks for the food? And I don't know about you, but I was thinking, like, what changed, what changed for me? What changed in that? And I think that, as, as the Lord was speaking to me about it, I think that as a, as a blessing is, is consistent enough, it can become an entitlement. As a blessing is consistent in our life, it can become an entitlement. Honestly, 
I, I, don't, I don't thank God for providing food very often. Why? Because I haven't gone without food long enough to see it as a blessing. For some of you that, that grew up in, in times where like just having a meal was a, was a blessing. I mean, you wanted to give thanks that you had food today. But so often, as we continue in a blessing, essentially, and we get spoiled into thinking that it's an entitlement. So rather than giving thanks for it, we just say, hey, would you just say the blessing? And I wonder about how many other areas in our lives do we walk just confident and boldly in blessings that used to be prayer requests, not giving thanks for what it is that he's done in our life. Amen? So this former leper, I want you to understand this. This guy still probably had a million problems in his life. Like, he, he probably still had bills to pay and, 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 and his cell phone. and I mean, he, he had all kinds of, of things that were probably going wrong, a job that was going nowhere, but he was utterly aware that Jesus had done something that he, that he could never repay him for, that it set him on a journey of thankfulness in his life. This dude was like, I don't care who's in my way. I am going to thank Jesus. Get out of my way. I, I, I know that there's all kinds of other issues. I know that there's problems going on, but I, all I need, to get, I need to get into the presence of this, of this man who saved my life. And my point is this. You have more in your life to celebrate than you do to complain about. You have more in your life to celebrate than you do to complain about. And the difference is this, that your level of thankfulness depends on where you've set your hope. Your level of thankfulness depends on where you set your hope. I love how Paul wrote, writes this in 2 Corinthians. He says this, He has delivered us from a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. Some of you need to say that as a prophetic statement over your life. I love how he says this. In a sense, he's saying, he did it, and he'll do it again. Amen? Say it with me. He did it, and he'll do it again. He did it, and he'll do it again. And it continues, because we don't just see that he's just saying, yeah, things seem, things seem to work out, and he's probably going to work out again. Paul has his hope in something more than hope. He continues in verse 10. He says, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So where has he set his hope? On him, on Jesus. Let me tell you, as long as you're thinking, well, geez, I, you know, I think I'm hoping that, that my situation changes. I'm hoping that my job, you know, rearranges. I, I, I'm hoping that, 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 that this situation, or this circumstance gets better. As long as that's our way of thinking, your hope is in your situation. Your hope is in hope. You get it? Listen, if you don't get anything else today, I want you to get this. I hope that your hope is in something bigger than hope. I hope that your hope is in something bigger than hope. Because I listen to people these days, and there's a lot of hope in, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of hope in, but I don't know where that hope is actually anchored in. Is it like, man, I, just, I was hoping that things would change. I hope that my wife does this. I hope that this changes. But is your hope in hope, or is your hope in the Lord? because it changes everything. He says, don't put your hope in hope. Put your hope in God, because only God is bigger than your situation. If not, you're just putting it in, in, in the situation. And, and for some of you, and this may be, I hope, I hope that I hope that I hope that you hope, that if you're in a situation right now that is like 
out of your control, that's a good thing. Why? Because it reminds you to put your hope in God, not in your situation. Sometimes the only way that God can show us that he's in control is to put you in a situation where you're not. I know we like to have control. And I, I look around and it's a minute. I like to be able to hold and control and, and dictate how things happen. But I'm telling you, God is always reminding us, I'm in control. I need you to trust me. And he puts us in situations just to remind us, you need to be putting your hope in me, not in your situation, not in how smart you are, or how popular you are, who you know. My hope, your hope should be in me. My aim today is to just breathe fresh hope into you. My aim today is that, is that truly, maybe you make a decision today to make a comeback and to worship God, to give him praise for that which he's already done in your life. Number two is this, thankfulness is a decision. Verse 15, he says that this leper, the one, came back praising God in a loud voice. He made a comeback. This one, this one guy out of the ten, only one took the long walk to make a comeback. Only one of these guys did this. And some of you may be in here and you may be like, I've been waiting for my comeback. I've, I've been waiting for a victory. Jesus, Justin, I, I need a win in my life. I, I'd love to have a comeback. I want you to see this. Sometimes your comeback may be waiting for you to come back in thankfulness to what God has already done in your life so that he can do that which you're waiting for him to do. Sometimes we're like, God, would you do this? And he answers the prayer and we're like, awesome. God, can you do this? God, keep up. Could you just keep up with me, God? I got a lot of stuff that I need you to do. Come on, let's go, right? And very rarely do we take the time to stop in stride to say, you know what? Thank you so much for that which you've done in my life. There's something about thankfulness that paves the way for greater blessing in our life. I'm telling you, there's something, there's something in it when it comes to living a blessed life. Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. I mean, this is a loaded scripture. But essentially, let me be clear. We don't pray, Lord God, would you just please zap some thankfulness into me? God, if I'm open, if you could just, just give me that anointing of thankfulness, Lord. Please don't come up to me after service and say, Pastor, could you pray over me for the, for, for the gift of, of thankfulness. I, I, just, I just need God to bestow that onto me. Let, me. let me be very clear. It's important for you to understand this, that thankfulness is not something that is imparted through prayer. It is a decision that we make. It's a decision that we make. That's, that's, it, that's essentially what, what Paul's saying here. Thankfulness is a decision. And he doesn't say that we need to be thankful for everything because there's stuff in our life, there's things that you're dealing with right now, and you're like, I'm so supposed to be thankful for that? No, he doesn't say be thankful for it. God didn't ordain your sickness. He didn't ordain your cancer. He says be thankful in everything. In other words, 
Don't put your hope in cancer. Don't put your hope in your job. Don't put your hope in, in hope. Put your hope in God. He's the only one that's greater than the situation that is right in front of your face, that is insurmountable, that you can't climb over, the wall that is in front of you. And as long as we continue to put our hope in hope, we, we cannot put our hope in God. This is what he's saying. Thankfulness is a decision. And it's not just when good circumstances come our way and we're like, oh man, I am so hashtag blessed. I got $50. This is awesome. Essentially, thankfulness is a decision no matter what circumstances are around us, good, bad, or ugly. And I mean this in love that like an, an inexperienced Christian, somebody new in the Lord, essentially many times waits for a good circumstance to jumpstart their joy. God, if, if you could just answer this prayer, then I would be thankful. If you could just do this, then I would have joy. God, I, all I want is to win the lottery. Like, it is not too much to ask. You, were, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. So, like, you could make this happen. And if you would just do this, then I would respond in joy. But a mature Christian is different. A mature Christian knows that they've got some jumper cables on the inside of themselves, known as the Holy Spirit, out of which will flow rivers of living water, that in that moment you just say, uh-uh, I am choosing to walk in thankfulness. No matter what this situation is, I'm not thanking God for this bad situation. I'm thanking God in each and every situation, knowing that I've set my hope in Him. It's in Him, and it's in Him alone. And it's a decision. It doesn't come through prayer. It doesn't come through impartation. If your recipe is not tasting like, like grandma's would, add some thankfulness. If it tastes off, add thankfulness. You won't be disappointed. And, and, and for, for me, I don't, I don't know, you've seen this, I'm sure. But it's always the small things that get us off. Like it's always the small little things that people say or do or, or don't do that, that taint the well of that living water that flows out of us. It's essentially why Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, above all else, you better guard your heart. Why? Why should you guard your heart? Why? Because everything you do flows from it. So you, you feel like, man, I just don't understand why, why I, I, I want to I have a vibrant relationship with God. I want to have joy. I want to have this. I'm telling you, if thankfulness is not a decision and a discipline in your life, you may find that you're not guarding your heart. There's areas of your heart that you become callous to, and it's shutting off the flow of God in your life. He says, guard your heart. It is a discipline. Complaining is a funny thing because essentially complaining gives power to something that is inferior to undermine your faith. Saying, I'm taking this thing that is, that is actually inferior to God and placing it above God to undermine my faith. I'm placing my hope in something outside of what it is that God's doing. Because complaining can only happen when we're more mindful of the problem than we are of the presence of God. Because like this, like this one, like this one leper that comes back, he is all like utterly consumed with the reality. I have to get into position 
to see and to talk to and to fall and to worship the Son of God that made everything happen for me. It's a thankful heart that is a heart that, re, that kind of remains aware of the presence of God in every and all circumstances. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about. Number three is this. Thankfulness requires a response. I love this one because it's just outlandish what this guy does. It says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. In the New King James Version, this is what it says. If you've got that version, it says, he fell down on his face at his feet. This guy throws down his whole body at Jesus' feet to the point where his face is literally in the dirt. Face down. Now, a question for you, and I, because I have to ask the same question. What would it take for you to get so low, so humble, that your face was literally touching dirt? You're like, well, I don't, I don't quite know about that, Pastor Justin. Here's what it would take. It would take the utter reality, the awareness of knowing that your debt could never be repaid. That, that what that person has done for you, you don't have enough money, you don't have enough words, you don't have enough actions that could ever repay what they've done for you. This is where this guy was. God, thank you so much for doing what no one could ever do in my life. And he throws himself prostrate before the Lord, face in the dirt. And I love this. King David even writes about this. So if you, in, in Psalm 43, David's talking to himself. So if you talk to yourself, you're in good company. This is what he says. Why, my soul, are you downcast? He's talking to himself. Why, soul, are you, are you depressed? Why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? And then I love it because he starts to correct himself. He says, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God. Don't put your hope in hope. Don't put your hope in your circumstance. Don't put your hope in what the news is saying. Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him. So at a time where David, literally nothing is going right for this guy, he commands himself, I will have a thankful heart. What's he thanking God for? He's just thanking God. I am putting my hope in God. I will yet praise him. He says, put your hope in God. And this is why it's so important for us as Christ followers to be telling how we got saved time and time again to people. Because it reminds you, it reminds you what God has saved you from. And you may be sitting here thinking, well, Pastor Justin, like, I don't have a good story. I never killed anyone. I, I, I wasn't a gang leader. Like, I just, I don't know, God just, he saved me, and here I am, and I'm telling you, it's in the telling of your story to those who don't know him that reminds you of why you are so thankful. It gives you joy to remember that the situations that are right in front of you are not, is, is not the, the end deal for you. God's word has the last word in your life. Thankfulness is a key to the blessed life. Verse 17, he says this. Jesus asks him, were not all ten cleansed? 
Where are the other nine? Has, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he says to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And that word, well, that, that faith, your faith has made you well, sometimes we miss it in the, in the English translation. It's actually the Greek word, sozo. So he says, your faith has made you sozo. The word sozo is a loaded word. It has multiple meanings. It, it means saved, it means healed, it means whole, it means delivered. It, it, it's an awesome word, and you want to be as much sozoed as possible, okay? So when he says, hey, rise and go to this one guy that came back, your faith has made you well. I want you to think about this. They all ten got healed, but only one was sozoed. All ten of these guys got healed, but only one got an encounter with the Son of God. All ten got healed, but only one was called healed, saved, delivered, and whole. It was this one man's thankfulness that made a pathway to even greater blessing in his life. And I want you to see that, that God doesn't ask us to just give thanks because he needs it. Like, he wasn't looking around saying, well, where's the other nine? Like, I was hoping I'd get some props for that. I did a little, like, healing stuff. Maybe they could give me some thankfulness, right? He doesn't do it for himself. He does it for our good. That's why he's asking. It's for our good. See, the other nine, they, they went halfway. They, they, they're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to... I, I'm going to ask Jesus, have pity on me. He's going to heal me. Thank you very much. They go and show themselves to the priest, but they went, only went halfway. They never made a comeback. They never made a comeback to thank Jesus, to, to, to get before him for that which he'd done in his life. So the one made a comeback, and he was saved, and he was clean, he was healed, he was whole, he was delivered by the Son of God, and the other one stopped halfway. I want you to take your, your cards out with you. If you, uh, if you didn't get one, we ha we're going to have some, some ushers kind of walk around, and, and we've got some pencils and stuff too. I, I really would love every single person in here to have one to be able to, to fill out. <clears throat> so we've got some ushers in the back. Just kind of look around and slip your hand up. We're out? No, they got some. He's got some right there. Um, I want to give you a moment to do that right now right now. I know sometimes we're like, yeah, here's your homework. Take that home with you and sometime this week do it. I hope you've been taking some time as I've been talking, just writing down the things that, that you're thankful for, that God has blessed you with. There are some things in your life that are blessings that used to be prayer requests. And maybe you didn't make a full comeback to say, you know what, Lord, thank you so much for providing this in my life. I know I thanked you before, but you know what, Lord? I just can't help but thank you again. I just can't help it. The Bible says that Jesus was always saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God is near. This means that, that, there's, that there's always the kingdom of God within reach. It may, it may not be in your lap, and it, it may require you to do some exertion or some repentance or make a comeback, but it's within reach. In other words, what, what he's saying to us continually is that love is always within reach. Peace is always within reach. Patience is always within reach. Self-control is always within reach. 
And it was this one man's thankfulness that opened up a greater opportunity for blessing. God is always looking for people whom he can extend greater blessing to. And he measures it in a very odd way. He measures it through thankfulness. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And my question for you this morning is, is there an area of your life where you're lacking thankfulness in? I just want you to take a look at, I know a lot of us were putting down, God, thank you for my family, thank you for my kids. Thank I want you to look at something that you wouldn't necessarily consider, hashtag blessed, and thank God for it. What I was saying earlier, if you add more thankfulness into this area of your life, I guarantee you, you will start to see fruit. It will taste better out of this area of your life. So don't, don't just look at all the things that are going great, going great in your life. I want you to consider, what are the things that are not going so hot right now? God, I want to thank you for it. Find something to be thankful for in every circumstance. God, I'm not thanking you for this issue. I'm not thanking you for my wayward kid. I'm not thanking you for this relational dysfunction. But God, I thank you that you are over it. That you always provide a way out. God, I thank you that you are the God that can change my situations and change me. So I want you to take some time and, and, and do that. If I could have the, the praise team come on up. As, we, uh, as you're filling these out, a lot of times, why don't you stand with me? Um, a lot of times it becomes a really introspective time. And we're like, well, I just, you know, this is between me and Jesus. And, you know, oh, what a worm I am. And like, you know, I just, this is, this is something that is, that is really, you know, heartfelt. I, I, I would love to do something. And, and it's different. And it may scare some of you. But I'd love to do something that is outside of your comfort zone. For some of you, maybe as we worship, you, I, I want to just, I want to kind of get you out of your seat a little bit. If you've written this, something down in there, you'll see first service kind of laid these all over the altar up here. I want you to bring these things up here as we enter into worship today as an act of worship to the king. Not to hold on to and put in your Bible and look at it five years from now, but as an act of worship, Lord, I thank you that you show up and you continually show up in this area of my life. And, 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 I, and I really do that because I want you to get you out of your seat. I know that you've got your seat and your place and your bubble and all that kind of stuff, and I respect that. But I want to encourage you to do something that you've never done before. For maybe for some of you, as we're, as we're singing and as we're, as we're lifting up the name of Jesus, maybe for some of you, you move from putting your hands in your pocket to putting your hands outside of your pocket. Whoa. I'm not a charismatic, okay? Drill out, right? Come on, right? Maybe you just, maybe you just do this. You just, maybe, you're clapping. I've never done that before. Whoa. Huh. Spirit's got a hold of me, I know. Maybe for some of you, you choose to say, you know what? I'm going to worship Jesus in a way that may be humiliating, just like this guy. I'm going to, I'm going to humiliate my pride I'm going to maybe raise my hand. I see people doing it. I'm kind of like, I don't really know what this is all about. I just want to say, do something you've never done before. Why? Because thankfulness has an expression. It's part of what we do when we bring this up here. We're saying, God, thank you for this. And out of that heart, God, I express my thankfulness to you. 
Maybe for some of you, I don't know, you dance. Maybe you literally get down on, 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 on your face before the Lord. Whatever it is, I just want to encourage you as we worship during this last song, allow God to just lead you in a way that, that may be outside of your comfort zone as a thanksgiving to the Lord. This man returned, came back through his face before Jesus to thank him and to praise him. I want you to understand, thankfulness and praise are married, they're synonymous. Praise is the outgoing, the outflowing, the overflow of thankfulness. We get to a place where we just can't help it. So as we sing, feel free, as you feel led, make your way up here, come up here, stay up here, go back there, whatever you wanna do, do something outside of your comfort zone as you thank him and just express it. Lord Jesus, we call each and every single one of us to a, a thankful heart. God, take us outside of our own comfort zone and that which would essentially is pride. Allow us to lay that down at your feet. And God, we thank you. We express it in praise in Jesus' name. Amen.